to Down by the Bank, a Jacksonville Jaguars podcast, episode 20. This is Corey. Hey guys, what's up? It's Derek. And also on with us today is a reoccurring uh, host with us, the second episode, uh, JK3. Uh, hey man, I'm back. Uh, ratings haven't been diminished uh, since my first time here, so I'm glad to be back, man. Welcome. Yeah, yeah, I appreciate it. We actually have, uh, since you've been on, accumulated several more reviews uh, so as a reminder for everybody on iTunes, leave us a rating and review because it's very important. It helps move us up the charts a little bit. Um, but in this episode, we're going to be talking about the Jaguars and Texans recap as well as our very much, uh, you know, looked forward to midseason awards that we're giving out. Um, but we'll start out with the Jaguars and Texans 24-21 loss today, dropping us to two and seven on the season. How do you guys feel about that? John, JK3, I'm going to let you go first on this one, man. I'm, I'm going to let you go first. Uh, man, it's, it, it was heartbreaking. It really was. It was heartbreaking, man, just to see um, the, the crowd get into it in the end of the fourth quarter. You know, we, we did the, the best we possibly could. Um, and, and it's just, man, it's just it's just gut-wrenching. That, that to me, kind of threw in the white towel, waving the white flag. You know, three more games in December, but man, that was tough. And you know, the biggest part is to the biggest part too. It's not physical talent or physical abilities. It's just it's mental. It's really mental, and mental falls on coaching. Um, just lost for for words on 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 that. It, it just. Uh, it, it pisses you off, to be honest with you. It really pisses you off when you sit there and look at the team that you're rooting hard for. Fans are paying money to go to the games to see, you know, you're supposed to see that passion, that fire, that it, that they want to play and want to be there. And some of our players, one in particular, doesn't have it. You're talking about uh, the uh, long snapper? Um, not the long snapper. I mean, he he got his job pretty good. I mean, hey, if we want to look at a bright spot, man, Myers hit some hit some bombs today. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I agree. Uh, Myers, uh, you know, kind of shaking off, um, you know, some of some of the things that were were bothering him and and the bugaboos, and now he's 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 automatic, man. It's great. Yeah, well, before we get into the specifics of the game, uh, just a couple quick thoughts I had written down in regards to the in-game experience. Um, I went with my daughter today, and the traffic to get through the fair was super annoying. Uh, we had parking passes, and we ended up having to park in a parking garage, which I didn't even know existed. It wasn't the main garage. It was like some other garage across from the uh, baseball park. Um, all the jumbo shrimp signage was already up at the baseball park, which was kind of cool. Um, there were tons. <laughs> yeah. They moved pretty quick on that, actually. Like, it was all over the place. Um, yeah, man. man. Crustacean Nation waits for no one. Yeah, that's our next That's our next podcast. I don't know if you know about that. But, um, there were a lot of uh, Texans fans, and especially grouped together in the stadium, wearing red and chanting something. I'm not really sure what it was. Um, I liked how they do the flashing of the make some noise sign in the stadium. That's pretty cool, but it's definitely going to give somebody like an epileptic seizure or something. And then there was one guy with a sign behind the, uh, I don't know if you guys can see this on TV. He had a sign that said, I'm here for fantasy football. Did you see that guy? <laughs> no, I did not see him. I think, no, he, yeah, I didn't see him either. I think he made it on like for field goal attempts, but, um, but my biggest complaint really of all complaints, um, in game experience wise was definitely the t-shirt tossers. I mean, we had a pretty good, uh, seat at this game and, um, I don't know if they just recruit people with weak arms or what, but they just can't make it up to <laughs> uh, Thoughts? Well, being being a veteran quote unquote t shirt talker, um, <laughs> the 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 Jacks pack. Uh, if I had a nickel for every time someone told me that we didn't come to their section, I I would not be doing a podcast right now. That, that that's for sure. But um, I don't know, man. Some of those girls they got some strong arms. Uh, you know, we 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 pretty much throw them as much as we can, shoot them however we can. 
But I mean, you know, you probably weren't sitting low enough, you know, for us to make it. <laughs> Look, all right, let's let's uh, let's go ahead and uh, disprove that. All right, I don't expect to catch a T-shirt up in section 400, but when you're in section 230, okay, that's pretty low. And uh, I don't know. I feel like, first of all, the rich people down at the very bottom don't need the free T-shirts. All right, us people, the regular people, need the free T-shirts. <laughs> yeah. They're gonna use them okay. for like they're gonna use them for like rags to clean up their garage at home. We're actually gonna wear those like Monday through Friday. Okay, so can we adjust this a little bit? <laughs> I, I'm I'm gonna go ahead and and lump you into that category. There are no gold bars in the t-shirts. There there are no uh, no no refunds in the t-shirts either. But you know what? Uh, since you helped me out and got me on here on on the podcast a couple times, I, I think I can try to get a, I can kind of uh, slide a couple your way. <laughs> Yeah, okay, we'll see about that, but I appreciate it. The, the stories that I get for the t-shirts, can you please give me a t-shirt? It's my daughter's third birthday. She has cancer, and she's at home watching the game. I'm going to bring this back to her. It's like, what? <laughs> yeah, that's a little bit. Don't you worry about a free t-shirt? <laughs> and why are you at the game? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah just uh yeah i'm just kind of kidding but uh we did almost catch those little gold deeds so that was kind of exciting i guess i don't know um bortles Derek, especially i know you had some notes on this as far as his confidence is he is he maybe the guy you were referencing a couple minutes ago yeah absolutely man i i i don't know okay so if you haven't noticed the, the overall blocking scheme and play calling, I'm not going to lie, it's improved. It's improved. You see the guards are pulling just a little bit tighter. You see the center. You see the tackles. They're sealing on the edges when Ivory comes off tackle or when they open up the hole in the A or B gap. So you see the blocking is there. You're not going to block great every time. We don't have all pro offensive linemen. We definitely don't have Dallas's offensive line. But he's just making mistakes. After mistake. And then he'll, you know, grimace or, you know, say something or have this funky kind of body language. I mean, I I, I just, I don't know. And the, the mental lapses, you can't have mental lapses. You can't have turnovers. And they're not just turnovers. They're turnovers that are drive killers or game changers, like pick sixes. I don't know what's going on. And on the second part of that, um, JK3, I'm actually going to ask you this because you're uh, on the ground there. What's with those missed TD passes? Like, what? He's got guys coming wide open and he's just missing it. Like, <laughs> well, well, this this just adds to you know his his regression. Um, you know, he, we've we've seen him make those plays and make those those plays dozens of times um, in garbage time. Um, I feel like. Blake is a person who succumbs to his pressure. Um, when the pressure isn't on him, he can make any throw on the field. When it is a crunch time situation, when we are in the game, when we need him the most, he is very, very, very untrustworthy. Um, the interceptions are, they come at the worst time. They're backbreaking interceptions. Um, they kill momentum, the things that you can't really measure. I mean, that pick six that he threw, um, not only is it a deflator, but it gives the defense the, the most confidence that they, that they, that they start playing with instinct and not, you know, not thinking about it. They're just going to know that they're in his head the entire time. And, and also, you know, your receivers, you know, it also contributes to their effort also. Um, with, with the way his, his play is. I mean, he's just, I mean, those are, those are plays you gotta make. Th those are the plays that separate the, the playmakers from the, from, from the guys that are, you know, in the league, maybe one, two years. And I, I mean, those are, those, we just gotta have those. No other way to put it. Yeah. I was, oh, Derek, Derek, I wasn't even in my seats yet before he threw that pick six. You understand that, right? Oh, wow. <laughs> They they ran a lot of quick stuff, and the uh, the coaching staff adjusted because I noticed some routes were deeper, especially um, you know meant for five step drops, which meant like you know ten yard square in square outs digs. But 
Blake was still going to the quick stuff. And that's how he got caught with that interception. It, Kareem, it was a Kareem Jackson, I think it was. He, he didn't do anything special. He just sat on the route. They call it sitting, mm-hmm. you're squatting or sitting on the route. And the reason why we had some deep shots down the field because the Texans DBs were sitting on all the quick stuff all day long. And just no confidence whatsoever. And that goes on coaching, in my opinion. That's on coaching. Because as a coach, you should be in your players' heads. Like you should be basically, you you control the egos as a coach and you also control their emotions to a certain extent on the field. And that that goes back on that goes back on uh Gus Bradley in my opinion. What uh what blame would you guys say Nathaniel Hackett has to play at this point two games in? I mean, is it is it the head coach or is it the offensive coordinator? I mean Um I, I in my opinion, I don't think Hackett ha- I mean Hackett is just showing up and, and kind of working with what he's got right now. Um I think Hackett has done a great job as far as play calling goes. I think there has been an increase in downfield plays in key moments, not in quote-unquote garbage time. And then on top of that, the amount of rushing yards that we had last week and the amount of downfield and you know different type of plays that we've been running the last two weeks have shown that there has been adjustments and has really shown what this team has been capable of. Um, I mean, a lot of people really weren't talking about the offensive line and thinking that it was one of our weak spots when in actuality, they're not as bad as you think they are. I think the O-line has been a scapegoat for a while of why we haven't been able to contribute offensively in a lot of the games. And in the last three or four games, I think they've actually stepped up and done, you know, more than what they've been asked of and, and shown they've been capable of creating plays and, you know, just being able to do everything they possibly can. At the end of the day, it falls back on on number five, and I can guarantee you Hackett isn't going to let number five run him out of town like the last guy did. Yeah. Yeah, no. Um, you, you, you're right on the offensive line piece. I just um, – one thing that you, you guys were obviously at the game, I'm um, – Newly married, so I can't get to a game yet. We're, we're, we're looking at the Broncos game, but, uh, <laughs> the, uh, that's a sure winner. Yeah. Yeah. We'll, we'll see. But, um, um, Rich Gannon was one of the commentators on the game. He said something very interesting. You guys probably didn't catch this. He said, apparently with Olsen, you had three different people making the calls. So, like, the O-line coach or someone else was making the offensive line protection. Then you had Olsen calling the play. And then you had, like, the wide receiver coach signaling in the routes. So, it, it's funny. When he said that, I was like, good. That that makes sense because they just looked all over the place like they were discombobulated and didn't know what they were doing. Now, apparently, Hackett has – the thing Hackett has kind of – minimize that he makes all the calls he calls everything the protection the play the routes everything and the checks the the blake can call so if that's true then that kind of you know and they maybe they made that change uh jk3 before olsen got fired the reason why the o-line was probably playing a little bit better yeah then that would then then that I mean, that sounds like a Rubik's Cube right there. I don't know yeah. very many people that can complete those. <laughs> so, I mean, it, it, it literally sounds like, well, um, let's call this, and you guys call this, and we can call this, and then together, let's see if we can make a play. I mean, yeah. that, 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 that sounds, you know, that doesn't sound very, very productive, and, and it can be very confusing with depending on who's got the microphone in Blake's helmet, whether it be Gus or whether it be – uh, you know, Hackett at the, or excuse me, uh, Olsen at the time. I mean, you know, how, how confusing is that to get basically three different things? And then I'm supposed to make, uh, you know, a, a positive play happen with this happening. Isn't that kind of funny though? Cause wasn't Gus Bradley's whole theme when he came in as a head coach, at least from a defensive side to say that he wanted to simplify things so that guys weren't thinking as much on the field. So did he completely let the offensive side of the ball get away from him? Sounds like it. <laughs> <laughs> that, that, yeah, that's exactly what it sounds like. <laughs> sounds like it. What do you guys? And, well, really quick, like this is really um, 
one thing that was big in the post game radio stuff that even one local journalist had floated out there and I thought it was really irresponsible actually. The whole thing about Bortles and he's spending too much time out at the beaches bars and all that kind of stuff. This kind of goes back to Derek and I's point a couple weeks ago about attacking the players personally. I mean, do you guys think there's any part in anybody speculating about that, much less the media? Um, I don't think it's I don't I don't think it's if it if it's true, it's not speculation. You know, it's one of those things where, and I think a lot of the times and a lot of the reason why people love Blake Bortles and, and you can, in my household and all my friends will tell you, I, I absolutely love Blake because I can relate to Blake. Blake seems like the type of guy that I would love to go out and have a beer with. I don't know if I would want him to be my quarterback now, but he's a Jack's Beach guy. He's a, you know, you see him doing the interviews on Barstool. Um, you, you see him out in the town. He's a likable guy. He takes pictures and things like that. But I would like a little less of that during the season. I would love to see it in the summertime. I would love to see him open up Lemon Bar and Ritz and wherever else he wants to go in the summertime. But at this time right now, he needs to be at home with his playbook. Quarterbacks are jerks. The good ones. They don't sign too many autographs. They don't have too much time. Um, it's true. If you look at it from regular season, you don't see, you know, Tom Brady or, you know, Derek Carr or, or Ben Roethlisberger. You know, I mean, we're not, we don't live in those NFL cities, but I'm sure they're not out and about. So if that is true, then it needs to stop and he needs to be more focused on his craft because he he hasn't mastered it at all. I mean, everyone has a, a nine to five. We all have jobs that we have to go to every day. Sometimes you like it. Sometimes you don't, but in, in a sport, if you're not working on your craft by about year three or four, you're pretty much done. Well, the unfortunate thing about that too, is that it's looking like he's going to have a whole nother offensive coordinator starting next year. So you know, we'll have to see how that affects his psyche even more. But um one thing in the game, too, that was noticeable is that there weren't that many. I mean, it seemed like live that, that we were running the ball a lot. But when you looked at the statistics, maybe that's not the case. I think there was uh, nine nine carries each. But, um Derek, didn't you have some thoughts on the, the offensive line in terms of the running lanes? Yeah. the So a couple of weeks ago, and when I started playing better, and then very noticeably last week, obviously, I noticed that the the center and the guard combinations were run a little bit tighter. And, and what I mean by that is if you have like a, a you know, if you're taking the the A gap or the B gap, and you can pick either one, I'm noticing that the center is turning and the guard, you know, if they run to the right, the center and the right guard, they're turning a little bit faster and less steps. So instead of like, chopping their feet and turning or trying to push, you know, what, however, whatever play they're running, it's, it's a lot tighter. So, and what that's doing is it's giving your, your guard on the other side, your left guard, a good chance to pull around. If you ever noticed when we would have a pulling guard, uh, they would be getting blown up in the backfield or getting tripped or just flat out falling, (laughs) you know, so, and they would be tripping over the center's feet as he's trying to seal, you know, get the nose tackle out of the way. The other guard's trying to reach the, either that other defensive tackle or the middle linebacker to get him out of the way so the guard can come over. And I haven't been seeing that. I did see it once or twice today, but not that much. So that's going to be, you know, offensive line is, it's a craft that you have to keep working on and you have to play together for a long time and to really master and work as a team. so And that's just what it's going to take. Yeah, and JK3, from a, uh, back to the offensive coordinator, from a balance perspective, I think total rushing attempts, from what I can recall, at least from the running backs, were 18 total. And then I think Bortles had almost 50 pass attempts. So have we <laughs> have we met the, uh, the pass-run ratio that I'm sure Hackett intended, or are we letting that already get away from us? Well, I think we're letting it get away from us. And I, and I, and I recall in a couple episodes, um, you, you have to establish the run in order to establish the pass. If you have to keep those linebackers, 
you got to keep those linebackers honest. You got to keep those DBs from peeking inside because if they can anticipate a run is coming and then that's when you go over the top with something like a seam route or maybe a slant or a, a comeback route, anything like that. But in order for that to, to open up and in order for your playbook to really open up, it comes with the pass. I mean, excuse me, it comes with the run. Um, when Blake had the huge, uh, when he had that like bomb that he overthrew Hearns on, which I have no idea how he did, but that was established because of a couple of pretty decent runs by, uh, by, by the running backs. I'm not sure collectively, uh, whether it was Yeldon or Ivory who, you know, who, who made the, the big, big gash, gashes or whatever, but it, that was set up basically because we had two pretty decent runs. And it kept the defense honest, and we had someone slip behind the the safety, and the home run was there. You know, we just you know we just couldn't catch it. And you think it, it, it's it's not a coincidence that those plays were open too, JK three that one to um, Hearns, and then the second one was it uh was a Marquise Lee, I think it was. Um, especially the game they had last week against the Chiefs, and the fact that the DBs were sitting on short routes. Mm-hmm. And those linebackers were there. I think it was the Texans played for everything short and they played for the running game, knowing that, like you said earlier, just a few minutes ago, Bordo's confidence was not there. Like try and beat well, us deep. Yeah. And I, and I agree with you. It, it's a percentage of the game. It's we're going to take away what you have. The we, We're going to take away what you do really well and dare, uh, dare you to beat us with what you, what you don't do well. And right now, you're running the ball kind of decent. You're coming off a season high, uh, you know, amount of running and you do have that capability of running the ball. The running lanes are there. So that probability is there. It showed last week against Kansas City. So now we're going to go ahead and dare you to be this deep. We're going to dare you to be this with the intermediate routes and the gamble paid off. You know, they, we had some downfield shots, but we were winning the intermediate battle when Blake wasn't one hopping into A Rob. <laughs> and when, when, and, and when, when Marquise Lee was able to actually get his hands on the ball and when Hearns was able to actually get open, you know, in the middle, we were absolutely destroying them in the middle and intermediate routes. We just couldn't capitalize deep. And they knew that we, you know, we, we had the potential, but we're going to go ahead and get in your quarterback's head. We're going to see how many ducks are actually going to, going to fly out of this guy's hand. And then, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll play the percentage battle. Yeah, I was going to ask you guys about that trick play that Hackett drew up where he threw it off uh, his the guy's foot, that Bortles. That was pretty good, I thought. I don't know. It didn't, didn't work <laughs> Dude, this, this time. But. This guy manages to throw an interception in any – I mean, I, the way that he throws these interceptions, it's almost now you're kind of feeling bad for him. I mean, he tried to throw the ball in the dirt. And I don't know if uh, – was it Yeldon or, I, or Ivory? It was Yeldon. He should start playing soccer. So the way he scooped that ball up off the ground with his foot. I mean, that, that is a, that is a typical soccer trap right there. And he trapped the ball and somehow it came up off the ground. And I mean, it's just unreal. Yeah. I think we, I had texted Derek that we were going to call this episode foot interception, but I think they, didn't they overturn it? And now it's considered a fumble in the stat sheet. I think they changed that. Uh, no idea. Yeah. I'm pretty positive. I think they no, changed they, it. They did consider it a fumble in the stat sheet. Yeah, yeah, so unfortunately but, we won't we won't be able to use that episode title. It's a bummer. Um, and also, real quick, I don't know where Koyak came from. Um, I remember seeing his name on like practice squad stuff, but we need to keep him somewhere. I don't, I don't care. They just need to keep him somewhere because he went up and made some great plays and and got some uh, fought for the ball on a lot of man coverage. All the receivers did pretty much today, but gosh, where's that been at? A 20-yard crossing route to a tight end for a first down? Hey, Julius, isn't that what you're getting paid that money for? I mean, come on. <laughs> hey, hey, JK3, JK3, so you're on the field. Tell me, and I'm going to be respectful as possible when I say this, does Julius Thomas not look like he's, like, out of shape or something or slow? I mean, that guy, just watching him live, he looks slow. I, I don't understand, you know, how he gets open. I, I really don't. <laughs> his, his His routes are – it looks like he's counting them. He's counting the steps. You know, whenever you played 
you know, backyard football and someone says go five yards and, and, and out at the seesaw. He's literally counting one, two, three, four, ah, five seesaw. I'm open. And, 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 and that's what he's doing, but it's, it, he had a touchdown today. So can't, can't fault him for that. And that touchdown, by the way, Bortles fired that ball in there. Yeah. Like he had to, he had to put some mustard on it, but he put a lot of mustard on it. I was surprised that Thomas even held on to that. Yeah. He almost dropped it. <laughs> oh, he did? Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. He, he did almost drop it. He bobbled it and had to put his, Six eight two hundred and seventy five pound frame underneath it in order to catch it. I, like I don't know think, if that's really a stack, I like, but I like to think of it more as he absorbed the ball with his uh, <laughs> his weight. Um, so kind of shifting gears to the defense, I did want to get kind of your guys' thoughts really quick. I know this is further down in the notes, but um, last week we had on a guy Matt Weston from uh, the Battle Red blog, uh, SB Nation, Houston Texans blog. And that guy, I, I think, I even got it from you, Derek, I think, right? He used the word, um, average when I talked about Brock Osweiler. Man, that guy hates Brock Osweiler. I think, I think all, I mean, he was ripping on him. I think all the Texans fans don't like him. And man, he seemed pretty bad, actually. In fact, one of the tweets I saw that I thought was funny is that, uh, I don't remember who said it, but Brock Osweiler, when he's scrambling, looks like an ostrich running through quicksand. Um, so, <laughs> what are your guys' thoughts on him? Um, he, he, man, probably he, six eight man, <laughs> six foot eight. He, he he's six eight, and he he managed to get the job done. I mean, and he did it very efficiently under ninety under a hundred yards. He had two touchdowns under a hundred yards. He managed the game pretty well today against a uh, a defense that was way better than Houston's offense, in my opinion. But if you've got Houston's defense, who is uh, who, who is better than our offense, and the turnovers, you know, you win the turnover battle. That's how you win games. You just need a game manager when you when you when another team is going to throw and literally two interceptions every game, and you have a fifty fifty chance of taking one back to the house. All you need is a game manager. The Texans were zero and three on the road this season. Total combined points in those three losses was 22. That's all I'm going to say to that. <laughs> um, I noticed. I noticed. Maybe you guys can get elaborate on this. Some I noticed a couple times just watching. Uh, you know, where all of a sudden, like a Texans player would just like like fly up through the middle and just start taking off down the field, and everybody's like falling around him. You know how like in Madden. And Derek, you don't know about this because you're actually good at it, but like where you're running and you're, you keep switching to the defensive player and you're trying to jump tackle and you're just falling. <laughs> you know what I'm, you know what I'm talking about? Okay. You can't compare this to man though. Yeah. This is a video game. You can't but how, compare. But how the defensive players are just falling to the side. Why did it seem like that kept happening? It's called gap containment. Staying home, not overplaying. You know I love Telvin Smith. No for life, man. He's got a heart and he's got a motor like none other. But his only weakness is he overruns stuff on third down, especially. And good night did that one. What was the the the, the Texans had a running back that was a practice squad player all year, Hunt. And on that third and like sixteen, they ran like that. Uh. You know, you know what I'm talking about JK3, that motion sweep with Braxton Miller leading, and that joker yeah, came off the edge. <laughs> and as yeah, soon as he came off the edge, I literally went, oh crap. <laughs> I said something yeah, else. That was man. a, um, that was a ballsy, that was a ballsy <laughs> call, man. For you to go forward on third and 16 and your running back pick up 19 yards. Um, it wasn't the first time it happened either. Um, you know, Alfred Blue had a huge run right down the middle. I mean, right down the middle of the field and you know of course I don't I'm not sure who got lost in containment um but Miles Jack hawked him in um you know from from about 15 yards back which was amazing but I mean the over pursuit it, it I mean it's just one of those things where you know Telvin is he's got an unbelievable motor he's got an unbelievable heart but I mean that is his Achilles tendon that he does overrun plays and, and sometimes when he overruns plays, he has the ability to get like a hand on someone to kind of slow him down. And then, you know, we will, we'll either have 
you know, Cyprian or Colvin or, or whoever is at that time around to come clean up, clean it up. But yeah, I agree. He, he overruns. And I, I mean, that's his, that's his biggest weakness, but I'll take him overrunning, um, a play than him not even being a factor in the play at all. I'll yeah. take the overrun. Yeah, that's bad. And you mentioned Miles Jack, man. Miles Jack hawked in two or three, uh, Texans running backs or and or receivers today. He caught Lamar Miller from behind. That was that you can't teach that. So I'm glad they figured out how to get him on the field, um, and hopefully that he, he continues to make plays. And uh, but man, that, that to be that big and be that fast. Uh. Yeah. Hey Derek, what's your verdict on uh, Ramsey Hopkins? Uh, Hopkins won that battle. Oh, yeah. Oh. Oh. Come on. Hopkins no. won that. It was tied until the slant route on third and five. And again, no. you know, Ramsey's, that's my dog. That's my boy. But third and five, okay, footwork, man, footwork. Hopkins took him to a dance club, and he tossed him over to the side of the bar on that slant route. <laughs> I, 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 I disagree. Jalen <laughs> Ramsey. I mean, he and I, and I'm, you know, once once they leave college, they and they come to Jacksonville or whatever, whatever league or whatever uh, team they go to, um, you know, that's when my my fa- fa- fascination begins. I mean, five five catches for 48 yards, zero touchdowns. The legend of Jalen Ramsey continues to grow. He people receivers, number one receivers, are getting locked down. I mean, lockdown the bank comes on every third down or whatever, or third down for what. Jalen Ramsey is is literally locking people down. I mean, Deion, I mean, five yards, forty, or excuse me, five catches, forty-eight yards. I mean, I'll take the the third down was huge, momentum-wise, yes. But other than that, he's silent the entire game. Uh, I'll give you that, but. When it counts, man, and you knew it was coming. You knew it was coming. You knew they were going to go a slant route. Why Gus didn't have a safety down there, I don't know. Maybe they were afraid he was going to get beat deep, which I haven't seen Ramsey get beat deep all year, you know, maybe one time. But you knew that slant route was coming, and we really needed it. And But now I will get. I will say this, though. Is they were they were throwing some flags on Ramsey. They should have been throwing some more flags on Hopkins because Hopkins was definitely swimming past fifteen and you know past ten and fifteen yards trying to get open. Basically, what that yeah. means is he was taking one arm and pushing him over, and then and then swimming the other arm over top of him. Uh, you do that on the release. You can do that within the first five, but I didn't know you could do that ten fifteen yards down the field. Well, it, no, you you can't. It's called a uh, passing event. <laughs> <Seriously>. <laughs> hey, yeah, that was, that was I, on that third down, too. on that third down, I thought they were going to run the ball. Uh, I, I really did. I thought they were going to try to catch them, catch them, uh, catch them napping. The one-on-one isolation with Jalen and uh, you know Hopkins, I, you know O'Brien, you know he he called it. And I, I, was it a slant? Uh, it, it seemed like it was a little bit longer than a slant, or was it? Was it a slant that he got beat on? Yeah, what it was was Hopkins and, you know, his feet. Hopkins' footwork is incredible. It's one of the best in the league. I think maybe Antonio Brown's the only person in the league that's got better footwork than he does. Um, he, he did that like that, that hezzy. It was like a hezzy on it, uh, JK3. Oh, uh, so okay. okay. Kind of went two yards, yeah. kind of hezzy, put his left foot out, but that left foot was really a plant to come back in. And Yeah. And and the re- and here's why I, and obviously I wasn't at the game. Um, I got a little bit better. You get a little bit better view on the television screen. But Lamar Miller, when he was lined up next to Osweiler, he wasn't really directly next to him. He was about a yard and a half in front of him and to the left. So what that tells you is, okay, he's staying in for protection. And if they need something that quick, to where the off the running backs got to get that closer up to the line, that means it's going to be quick. So when I saw that, I was like, they're going to run the slant. And sure enough, they ran the slant. So it, it just uh, – but to, to basically answer that, I, as much as I love Jalen Ramsey, 
I got to give it to Hopkins for that slant route. So sorry, JK3. We're not going to agree on everything today, but it's okay. Hey, we disagree to di- we agree to disagree. <laughs> yeah. If if you and I have ever had a conversation where we agreed too much uh, on something, that would be uh, it would probably be the end of the world. Yeah, never, never, absolutely not. <laughs> One thing I'm curious to get your guys' opinion on is after the game, one thing that, that Twitter jumped on as a way to say, screw you, Jaguars, we hate you, you suck, is when Senderic Marks came out with his quote to the Florida Times Union, and I'll just kind of read it here. He said, quote, watching is not my game. I've flat out done a lot for this organization, and to be slapped in the face, I was on the sideline for the majority of the game, and I didn't like it. So <laughs> I don't know if this is like one of the the final dominoes to fall in terms of people saying that Gus Bradley's lost control of the locker room. It's certainly something out of character for Marks, at least. I, I don't know why this kind of stuff is leaking from the locker room. Coaching needs to control that. I mean, if it wasn't a, a cap casualty or whatever or something, you know, not cap casualty, I should say, but hurt the salary cap, you know, any other team that was, you know, on their way to the playoffs or had a winning mentality and winning foundation in their organization, he'd be cut. He'd be cut hands down. Could you imagine someone saying that to Bill Belichick or saying that to the media up in Boston? He'd be cut. So that, that's my only thing is to, to let that, to say those types of things, that, 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 that's just more proof that Gus Bradley has lost control. He doesn't yeah, control that locker room. I, yeah, Sinderic, you know, he, he does, at, at one point, Sinderic was one of the bright spots on this team. Um, you know, he, he's had many, many ups and more ups than downs as, as a Jaguar. Um, you know, he, he was able to, a lot of people remember him getting the sack that he needed to get his bonus and, and he played lights out that year, but, you know, the, the injuries came. And then with the injuries came, you know, he's getting put back together like Frankenstein. Um, it, it's just one of those things where we have the talent and we have the depth now where he can not really contribute as much as, you know, an Audric or a Sheldon Day or Malik Jackson, anyone that can rotate in that, that, that position right there. Um, you know, at, the, at this point, St. Derek, I understand where he's coming from, but, you know, he's a veteran and he needs to be a pro's pro and, you know, keep those comments inside the locker room. You know, what? that's one of the things right now that we're, we're losing is the locker room and the fan base. And and this is a telltale sign. It's a blueprint that Gus has lost the locker room. Um, the, lo- the locker room, there, there's, there's lack of discipline. Um, there, there's lack of you know, people being able to control their, their, their opinions. And it's starting to, it's starting to show it's, and it's, it's embarrassing at this point. Yeah. Yeah. I agree with that. I will say I'll give Blake credit in the, uh, the post game press conference that he did. He at least, you know, I don't know if he was asked about it or what, but he deferred on whether the fans are at, at all to blame. Cause you know, we've heard that from a lot of different players and Blake just plainly said, you know, they can't control anything in the game. So it's not their fault. So as much as, and I know Derek, you disagree a little bit, but as much as I think the players have kind of unright, rightfully so blame the fans, uh, or at least lumped in some of the fans that were booing with the more crazier fans, it's nice to see them kind of walking back a little bit on that. It shouldn't even matter. Like, that's another thing. We shouldn't have Jaguars Twitter, you know, some of the, not all of them, but some of those idiots out there, why, why are they even, it, it, their comments that they're saying to the, to the media after games, the Malik Jackson, Rashard Green, you know, Jalen said some things. Now, now, um, uh, some Derek Marks has come out and made a comment about the organization. You can tell they're reading it and it's getting to them. You know, what do they do? Go home after the game and look on Twitter. Like, why? Delete the stupid thing. You know, <laughs> like I said before. Yeah. <laughs> like, what are they doing? They're sitting at work, just sitting there tweeting all day. Oh, yeah, I'm going to get them. You know, ugh, my two cents counts. <laughs> no. Yeah, I can understand. I can understand being a, a disgruntled fan. Uh, in my opinion, I don't boo. Um, you know, to me, I feel like it's I, – I, I, I'm not going to boo my team. But one thing that I am going to do is 
as I'm going to, you know, let my frustrations out. I'm not going to at a certain player on Twitter. I'm not going to, you know, troll them and, and, and look to see if I can get a response by saying something personal or saying how bad you stink at this and how bad your effort is or anything else like that. But the best thing that the fans can do at this point is continue to show up at the games like they have been. Uh, a lot of people on Jaguars Twitter said that they weren't coming to this game. And I screenshotted in my phone some of these people, what they look like, and they were at the game. So, I mean, it's just one of those things where, you know, and, and this is more, and it's not everyone on Jaguars Twitter. I don't have enough, you know, storage in my phone to do that, but certain devout, you know, quote unquote, BCB members and all these other guys that just, you know, get these, get the players riled up and, and just say that they're not going to do this and not going to do that. You're, you're there at the games. You're going to buy your t-shirt. You're going to buy, you're going to pay for your parking. You're going to buy your intuition ale or whatever craft beer you drink. And then you're going to, you're going to still be there at the game. So what's the point of booing when we can sit, when we can collectively come together like we did with two minutes left in the game and the crowd was chanting, we are Jaguars. Um, you know, everyone's waving those little, uh, I don't know those little flags that they gave out today that I had no idea how to work. Those, those, I, it, what was that? It was like a little jersey flag. It was wrapped on a stick. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. That, and, and then, you know, you're going to show up to the game and, and cheer for your team. That, that, that's all you can do. And, and for the players, blaming the fans, come on, guys. We're not out running routes. We're not out practicing. We're, we're, we're not, you know, in the film room. We're not watching everything on surface tablets or anything else like that. And most importantly, we don't get paid for 40 hours worth a week to watch film and prepare for a game. So that's not our fault at all. Yeah. And I appreciate that mm. plug, uh, JK3, because that, that reminds our listeners today that Down by the Bank is brought to you by Microsoft Surface. <laughs> oh, man. The, the plug, I don't know man. We- and, I don't know, first the Yeezys and now this. I don't know where we get these sponsors from, man. Yeah, it's pretty awesome, actually. <laughs> and actually, in, in segment two, JK3 is going to call out those Twitter users by name. So go ahead. Who's number one? <laughs> oh, I, I, I can I can log no. on right now. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. no. We, we don't no, need I'm that. Not, I'm not. I'm, but you know who you are. <laughs> that's funny. Well, uh, I think that's about as much as we can talk about the Jags-Texans game. One thing I did kind of want to roll through – um, that I thought would be kind of interesting, especially to look at it at the end of the year and uh, just kind of compare and see how things progress, uh, hopefully more positive than negative. But um, we did have a couple midseason awards um, that we were going to give away today. And uh, our idea was not necessarily make them just all player awards, but it could be anything from the media, the fans, storylines, etc. Um, so to kind of start that off for the first half of the year, including today's game, um, Derek, we'll start with you. Most surprising thing this season so far? The most surprising thing I would say this season has to be the inconsistency that has grown with Bortles and the receiving core. Um, I know he's, uh, you know, there's, you know, Marquise Lee hasn't been hurt, so he's been you know, doing better, doing a lot better, you know, especially since he's been healthy. But just the, it's like everything, all the consistency, the, whether it's the back shoulder throws, the, everything, it's just, there's a difference when you lose confidence and then it just goes out the window and it's gone so far out the window. So that's, that's my most surprising thing is just they've lost that inability, that edge that they've had. Um, the, what made defenses scared of them. Right. What about you, JK3? Um, I'm surprised that they haven't stolen the show. You know, that was the big social media thing, you know, steal the show. Um, and we haven't. I mean, we're two and seven. Uh, we were the paper champs of the offseason. We had ESPN talking about us. We had, you know, every outlet that covered, you know, NFL talking about us with our additions with Gibson and Ivory. Uh, you know, we got Jack. We, we've got Ramsey. Um, you, we went on ahead and got Ngakwe in the draft. And this is it. This is the year the Jacksonville Jaguars are going to do it. You know, no longer Cleveland South. The Jacksonville Jaguars are going to take the AFC South. We're going to beat a depleted Texans team. We're going to beat a depleted 
you know, Colts team. We're going to beat an inconsistent Titans team. And we are where we are now in the basement of the uh, AFC South at two and seven. So yeah, I'm pretty surprised about that. Right. Yeah. And I'd say my most surprising thing, probably from a player perspective is just Marquise Lee's emergence. The fact that he's finally healthy and um, I think at this point could end up with a thousand yards. I thought he should have had more today, honestly. Um, we'll get into uh most disappointing thing and I'll start with mine and then we'll go JK three and then Derek. But my most disappointing thing so far from a player perspective has been Dante Fowler. Um, I don't know. I thought he'd be a lot more impactful this year. Uh, two and a half sacks. He had two in, in one game. So really it's a little inflated. And uh, for the most part, hasn't been that much of a difference maker. In fact, a lot of people have been calling for him to be benched for lack of effort. Um, so from Dante Fowler, that's probably my disappointing thing this, this so far in the season. Um, my disappointment, uh, so far is the, the, uh, the running backs. You know, I had a lot of, uh, faith and a lot of, uh, hopefulness in, uh, TJ Yeldon and, uh, and Ivory. I thought it was going to be the return of that, that one, two punch that we had with Fred Taylor and NJD. You know, I had a lot of high hopes for, for that, especially with Ivory coming off of a 1,000 yard season with the, with the Jets. Um, Yeldon having, you know, a pretty decent season, um, in the, uh, in his rookie year, throw in a little bit of Denard Robinson here, maybe sprinkle in a little bit of, uh, you know, Corey Grant. You know, we had a, we had a nice little setup for running backs and, you know, that has not been the case. Hmm. Yeah, that's, uh, Mine is it's got to be Gus Bradley. Just he's supposed to be this motivational, you know. He's supposed to be the 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 football televangelist that everyone goes to see, you know, to be able to motivate you to be able to run through a brick wall and to lose the way we've been losing, to lose control of the locker room, and then to still say that you know we're we're, we're getting better. Um, we're tired of getting better. We want W's. And I really believed in him when he got hired. I really believed in him even after three years. But now it's – that's just it's time to go. So that that's the, my most disappointing thing is the coaching from Gus Bradley. I don't know, Derek. Coaching is disappointing. It's probably a pretty controversial opinion right there. You might get some heat on that. Why do you <laughs> think I'll get some heat on that? <laughs> I'm being sarcastic. Oh, okay. I didn't. I definitely. Your sense of humor is so dry, Corey. You can never understand. <laughs> yeah, appreciate it. Appreciate it. Um, best newbie, and I included rookie or free agent, whichever uh, you prefer. Um, so I kind of, and we'll go in the same order. I went with uh, Yannick and Jacque. Obviously, four sacks, one interception, three forced fumbles. I think that one's kind of kind of speaks for itself. Um, yeah, yeah, you, you took that one. That was a, that was a pretty, pretty good one. Um, but I'm going to stay on, I'm going to stay on the Ramsey train, man. I, I, I love the fact that, you know, Jalen comes in. Um, he's a competitor. He, he talks the talk. Not only does he talk it, he walks it. And then the fact that he signed with Jordan Brand, if I can get a couple of those player exclusives, you know, some of those teal and black cleats, maybe. A nice little autograph, you know, some of this teal and black Jordan apparel, the swag that comes with that, man, it's just, uh, it, it's awesome. So yeah, that, that's Jalen Ramsey for me. What is the, uh, what does all that have to do with your pick? <laughs> oh, I'm a, I'm a Jordan fan. So if you mix some, some teal and black with him, uh, you know, with, with the Jumpman logo, I'm all on it. And, uh, and, and like I said, man, you, you gotta, you, you look good, you play good, play good, pay good. I'm I'm all on the Jalen Ramsey train, man. He he's awesome. Yeah, exactly. Jalen Ramsey, come on the show. Right, Please. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm actually going to agree with JK3 uh, for best newbie with Ramsey, not because of how he looks, because I sold my Jordan collection. So I, uh, although I am a Jordan fan, grew up a Jordan fan. I what I am most impressed with is his willingness to take on the team's number one at such an early stage in his career. You know, to stare down Aaron Rodgers, almost, you know, he almost had the sack. You know, that could have changed the game. But, you know, almost doesn't quite mean you, you did it. 
but still he kept coming. He keeps competing. And although I did say he lost to DeAndre Hopkins today because of that slant route, he really, you know, he, DeAndre Hopkins didn't really do anything else besides that. Um, and the only big time receiver to really do anything to him was Alshon Jeffries. But Jalen Ramsey was able to come back at him in the second half. I mean, you're looking at an older Steve Smith running his mouth, seeking him after the game. You know, he got under Steve Smith's skin because he gave Steve Smith the business. That's why. Um, so, you know, hats off to Jalen Ramsey for, for attempting to bring that swag back. All right. Now, this one uh, I think is going to be probably the most uh, in-depth uh, award that we'll give away, um, most thought-provoking. And so what we're going to ask is the best and worst bald coach on the team. And so uh, I'm probably going to go best as Todd Wash so far this year and worst as Gus Bradley. JK3? Um, that That is a that the same for me. Um, you know, Wash Bradley, bald head. You know, it's all about what's under the skull, you know, and, and the brain. And I think right now, you know, Wash has <laughs> got a, got a better brain right now underneath the bald head. Good, good analysis. You know, I'm going to do the same thing, but then I'm also going to throw in, uh, premature balding at the end of this because I don't know if y'all seen Blake Bortles head, man, but he's <laughs> losing some hair. He's losing some hair. He's wearing too many hats, man. I mean, he, he's got a he, he's got a cul-de-sac going on up there. <laughs> fireball, fireball will do that to you. <laughs> I told you we're not going to address those uh, late-night drinking rumors. Hey, I I just hear he's a fan. So no love for Hackett. You know Hackett's bald too, right? Uh, it's too early, too early to throw him in there. He he can maybe get like a a one A or honorable mention. But uh, as far as the, the play calling, I, I love it. So uh, for right now, two games in, he, he's doing a pretty good job. All right. And then we'll kind of run through these last two uh, pretty quickly. First half MVP, I actually picked Telvin Smith. I don't know. It just seems like he brings a lot to the team from big play perspective and the fact that he seems to be kind of the uh, emotional leader um, from what I can tell. So I've just kind of been, been a big fan of him so far this year. And he kind of came back from the struggles that he had in the preseason for the most part. I know he's still having a little bit of difficulties, but he seems like the heart of the defense. What about you, JK3? Um, my first half MVP is going to be uh, Ngakwe. You know, he, he is, he, he surpassed a, a lot of his expectations as a rookie and continues to, to shine and continues to show some flashes. Uh, of some greatness. So hopefully we can hold on to him for a while. But, uh, yeah, I, I'm definitely going to go in Gakwe on that one. I'm going to go with uh, uh, uh unusual pick. I'm going to go with Linder, making the change to center. Um, offensive line is getting better. They're improving. But, you know, he, he made a, a change. It's not easy. And, um so far, he's you know he he had a little hiccup there where he, he had some uh, injuries, but so far so good. You know you don't see any bad snaps, any bad uh, communications. Um, you're not seeing that, so that that's that's a, that's a big a big one to him. So um, my my second one would have been Telvin, but uh, I, I definitely uh, you know hats off to Linder. Right. And then finally, uh, Derek actually helped name this. I'm going to give it a nickname too. First half chump award, aka people who will never appear on our show as a guest after we <laughs> say this. Um, so my first half chump award goes to, and this might be controversial, but Alan Robinson because of his stupid Wembley fans are better. That's our actual hometown comment. I hated that so much. He gets my first half award for that. Um, yeah, I, I can agree. Um, you know, that, that was a, that was a bad push by A-Rob, but I think A-Rob and the fans have kind of, uh, made up. It seems like a little bit, you know, of course he, he wasn't booed as much today. Um, my first half chump, um, it, it, and it, this is, this is bittersweet for me to say, but Dante, I mean, come on, man. This, this guy gets a personal foul penalty almost every game. Uh, I watched one today on the sideline where Osweiler was literally 10 yards out of bounds and he still hit him. Another 15 yards down. He's not disciplined. I want to see the Dante back. 
that was having fun at Florida, dancing on the money down, the third down. I want to see the Dante that doesn't line up in the neutral zone every down. I want to, I want to see, I want to see the old Dante back. If you're there, if you're listening, please come back. We need you. And that's the best way to motivate him, giving him the champ award. (laughs) Good job. It's like, it's like, we need you. We want you to come back, man. I was so amped when, you know, when, when he comes in and, you know, he's had like three or four plays where he's made a, a couple of, you know, just plays in the backfield and just does his thing. Any Florida fan that's listening knows what I'm talking about. It's indescribable. I can't describe it, but I, I want that Dante back, not this guy that's causing us all these penalties. Oh, man. Um, I got three strong candidates here. Uh, I'm going to say my candidates real quick. Cyprian, Thomas, and Bortles. Um, Cyprian has been playing better lately, actually, so he, he's off. Um, I've been picking on Bortles a lot today, so we're not going to choose him. I'm going with Julius Thomas. He's a power forward. He's like a power forward body, a basketball player's body with those skinny legs and with a big frame. And for whatever reason, he's not playing in certain situations at the beginning of the game. He he's definitely only really going in in the red zone. So are you hurt or or whatever it is? I'm not sure, but hopefully he finds whatever it is he's he's got to, that brought him to the team, you know, and sign that big contract and and, and starts balling out. Um, I think Hackett will definitely draw up some plays and get more creative on offense to get him the ball, especially when we need him. You know, J.K. Threw just talking about money down on third down for the defense. For the offense, it's money down when we get into the red zone every down. It's touchdowns or checkdowns. And he's got to be there for those touchdowns for us. Right. Well, and those are our first half of the year midseason awards. We'll come back to those at the end of the year and kind of revisit it. Um, just thought it would be something fun to do. Um, thanks again, uh, J.K. Three, for joining us on the podcast. We appreciate it. Um, hey, no, no, no problem, no problem. I, I love it. And hey, Derek, you gotta, you gotta come around, man, to the to the jumbo shrimp. Uh, that's, that's, that's it. We're here, man. The jumbo shrimp, crustacean nation, the prawn stars, whatever you want to call them. We're, we're here, man. You gotta embrace it. Hey, if they got free hush puppy night, I might be there. Okay, but besides that, <laughs> all right, I'm staying. I'm staying. Uh, away from the cocktail sauce, away from the tartar sauce. Uh, <laughs> I, I just can't do it. Um, if, if they have bubble gump night, all right, I, I hope Corey gets a hat so I can laugh at him hard. Uh, <laughs> I am getting a hat. <laughs> I, I'm actually getting one also. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, they have man. that, like, trucker mesh one that's, like, white and red. That one looked pretty cool, so I'm probably going to get that one. Oh, my goodness. I think I'm gonna go. I think I'm gonna go with the one with him, with the shrimp actually like holding the state of Florida. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, 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 that's the one that I want. And Derek, it's still a business. They don't have to be free hush puppies. I mean, at least let them charge like a dollar or something. You see, this is this is what I got to deal with, man. And JK3, you didn't jump on this train too, man. <laughs> I was, I was, I was live. I was watching it live. While it happened, I was yeah, so drawn. I said, I need to know what they're going to take. They're taking away my son. Something better be coming good. And what better than uh, a mascot jumping out of a bucket with corn and sausage, you know, like a low country boil. Yeah. They kept Jackson DeVille, though, which seems really, I know, like, I don't know. It just seems weird. Dogs like shrimp, too. <laughs> okay. All right. So this is some real. Uh... <laughs> so with that being said, uh, as a reminder, Down by the Bank is available on <laughs> iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, and soon Google Play if they would hurry up and approve our application. So hopefully we'll be on there soon. Um, please leave a rating review as previously mentioned on iTunes if you could. And you can also follow us on Facebook and Twitter for updates on new episodes. And Derek, I will tell you, I did make an Instagram account today, so I'm not sure what I'm going to put on there, but, uh, we are. Oh, he's in the game on the, on the gram. Hey, I don't have that many gram followers, so we might have to, 
get this to, to JK3 to help us spread the word. Um, most of my gram followers are my wife's friends. So, <laughs> and I don't, you know, I don't post anything too much. So, um, you know, we might have to seek the help of our, of our, of our partner in crime, uh, Mr. JK3 to help JK, us spread the word on JK3, the brand. JK3, you're a big Instagram person. You know about all that? Um, I have pictures of my kids and food. <laughs> okay. So you're really good at it. <laughs> so, so that, that tells you what I'm into. Well, and a lot of people, a lot of the young folk have been snapping lately around me and I'm like still not into that either. So maybe we should be on that soon. Like, do you guys know anything about that? Snapping? Snapchat? No, I don't know nothing about that. <laughs> uh, you know, Snapchat's not really my favorite, but, uh, I, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a huge Instagram kind of guy. Yeah. All right. So everybody's real interested in this conversation. All right. So, uh, that was down by the bank and, uh, we'll talk to you guys later. All right, guys. Take care.